The true creator is necessity who is the mother of invention. This is a popular phrase of Greek origin that simply means the driving force for most new inventions is need. Before money ran the world, there was butter trade and now many many years later, a toddler that is cryptocurrency is attempting to do the same. Good morning. My name is Marvin Lukula and today I want us to delve into the world of crypto and understand terms like Bitcoin and blockchain and how they work towards improving our daily living. I'm not alone. In studio with me is Kevin Imani, an Oxford University graduate and a 26-year-old CEO of Sankore 2.0, a company that integrates blockchain technology in business operation. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Marvin. Um, let's just jump straight into it. Let's go for it. Uh, before you tell us more about your company, I'd like you to help me define some terms in the crypto world. Let's start with cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency. That's uh, the, the the pinnacle the pinnacle word. Um, <clears throat> so the easiest way to understand or at least that helps me understand crypto is kind of understanding what we already know in terms of money and store of value yeah right these are things that we know in terms of exchanging certain values right before actual money we had something that we certain in society understood as this is valuable right it has a certain value it used to be even shelves or even cows or it used to even be certain goods right exactly um and so really that kind of interaction what we call sort of the peer-to-peer interaction where at the time there was not really much of an intermediary it was community to community person to person and there was this social understanding of you know exchanging of value and to explore shortly cryptocurrency pretty much tries to echo replicate that peer-to-peer transaction of value um, without a particular intermediary um, that would interfere and when you say intermediary you mean uh, something like the national bank for example yeah the government for example yeah right um, these are these are examples of intermediaries um, and obviously they've been introduced at some point in time in history uh, but what crypto really aims to, to achieve is to replicate what we used to know about the peer-to-peer transactions um, but in a way that still maintains a transparency in the way we exchange value okay second word of the day Bitcoin. I understand that it's the biggest cryptocurrency at the moment. The most simplest way to kind of explain Bitcoin coming from um, this kind of like explanation in terms of peer-to-peer exchange of value. Bitcoin really was sort of the first um, sort of materialized uh, coin that actually did that, right? Um, it was introduced in late 2007, um, around a time when the financial crisis was quite apparent and the need to have a way to still exchange value without intermediary at the time, obviously the issue were the banks. Um, and Bitcoin really was sort of that first ever coin that pretty much introduced what a peer-to-peer exchange of value would or could look like. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Currently in Kenya, like how many types of coins are we trading? Um, I don't have the exact numbers of how many because they're open source, so anybody can sort of trade in anyway. from anywhere in the world. Um, but I'm sure there's numbers that we can look up for that. Um, but what's interesting to that, and I'll answer also your point in terms of like these other coins and what we all what we understand as alt coin, which is mean, which basically means alternative coins. Yeah. Um, 
in Kenya, it's known that it actually, I think this year, sorry, last year, for the second second year consecutively, was um, identified in the crypto kind of like world index, the highest P2P trading volume so in, in Kenya, in the world. So basically what this means is that there is a lot of people that are trading cryptocurrencies amongst themselves. Uh, this cryptocurrency, they understand that it works through a platform called blockchain. Yes, it, that's the sort of baseline technology that allows cryptocurrencies to operate. And right. yes, yes. Okay, let's move away from that for a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, talk about you. What was your first interaction with Bitcoin? You can't say that uh, when I was growing up, I wanted to trade crypto. Oh gosh, like, no! <laughs> it was not a career by then. <clears throat> no, so, not at all. That's a really good question, Marvin. Yeah. The first interaction was back in. I believe it was late, late, early, basically late 2015, early 2016. Mm. Um, I had a friend who kind of talked to me about these these coins, right? That he were that he was sort of explaining how you could own parts of coins, and you know you could they had a certain value, and you can you know exchange. And at the time, it was just mainly trading but there was also sort of that technology that he was explaining to me about now at the time i didn't understand anything like it was just so confusing to me because i just didn't get it um and so he was kind of doing his own thing and he was kind of showing showing to me how it works so i was sort of on the on the sideline watching and i was like hey that seems interesting because like you know these coins tend to kind of like um it's different it's not similar to stocks or you know or forex it's really something that allows you to sort of have more ownership in in um the operation and the governance of the tokens etc um so i started you know to trade but at the time i did not know what i was doing uh probably lost money with that um but yeah that was kind of my first interaction um and then eventually i he continued doing that and i kind of stopped and i just sort of continued my academic of just academic path um and he got reintroduced to me um when i was in oxford and my friend my sale friend he was working with this company silicon valley that had like you know blockchain sort of they had actually a blockchain and they were scaling and he was like listen they're they really want to scale and they have they have these they have this sort of communities that they're sort of um working with and you can sort of get your own initiatives and do your own things and they can you know support you with that and that's kind of like where i picked it back up and i started thinking about how relevant can this be for africa can we use this here and uh and yeah eventually sort of the rest is history on that sense um I'm going to talk about uh, Sankore. From my research, Sankore, uh, from actually from your page, from your website, Sankore is from a uh, university that was built in Mali, the first university in Africa. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, in fact, I'm happy that you mentioned this because I, I always like to take time to explain um, the origin of obviously Sankore and why I chose the name and why even the 2.0 at the end Um, and and this also kind of sets the the value that we have and that we seek to um, achieve and kind of like uh, I would say embody if I for the lack of a better word Um, so 
the uh, the idea behind Sankore really was was actually um, in I wouldn't even call it an ideology because it actually happened, but it's more of a mindset that I really have I've been really inspired by obviously the story of um, what was at the time in in Mali and Timbuktu, um, sort of that that space that hub this concentration of very high intellectual knowledge sharing and production um and in terms of technology mathematics science literature um and it was known as being you could say today's harvards of harvards right or oxfords of oxford right it was very 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 um the, the quality of the production of technology there was so big that anywhere anyone in the world who wanted to know where the future was going to go in terms of tech they needed to go to Sankore right because this is where they knew they had you know all the teachers and all the smartest students so to me I like the fact that this was something that was indigenous to Africa right it came from Africa this it's it's native from there and I started thinking about whether we can have the same mindset with this with current innovative technology meaning take technology as is and provide the same um, quality service and quality production natively from Africa and that was the concept that I wanted to bring back um, and and drive with innovative tech and chose blockchain for that um, so yeah this is kind of like in a nutshell why I always think it's 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 important for us to explain that because part of the 2.0 is because there was an original Sankore right and I want people to remember that at the 15th century if you wanted to know where the future was heading yeah. you had to go to Sankore so that's why Mali also had the richest man in the world King Mansa Musa right yeah. exactly and that's part of the reason why also what I love the fact that this person the amount of funds that he gave for education yeah. is is unseen right he really believed in the the education and the production of knowledge mm. in his country Sankori your company took uh, Mansa Musa's ambition to build and educate Africans I see you are doing the same because you are creating events to spread awareness of crypto in Kenya and how it can better the lives of Kenyans generally. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so the, the f- for us, what was really important um, before setting up shopping, obviously in, in Kenya and doing what we do here is to think about how can we increase regional economies here, right? Mm-hmm. And and how does that tangibly look like? Like, what is it specifically that we're going to be doing and, and how are we planning to do that? And the first... Um, Obviously, the the goal is eventually to have projects build yes. on blockchain that are solving critical problems and at the same time are creating job opportunities. Yeah. Right. That's sort of the aim. Yeah. Right. Now, in order to get there, that's a whole other story. Right. So the question is, how do you get there eventually for that to meet that objective? Um, and the first thing that we really started to do is that we noticed in Kenya is that there's still a lot of people that either have misconceptions or um, don't understand what blockchain technology is or what it can provide. I'm also in the group of misconceptions and that's why we have you here today Yes. to tell us more about uh, how deep uh, crypto is in Kenya. Is it only in Nairobi and which kind of edge groups are into crypto at the moment? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so, considering just in terms of the the people 
that are trading. Like I mentioned earlier on, I've noticed with stats and figures that there's a very high trading volume yeah. in Kenya yes. uh, with cryptocurrencies. Now, obviously, that's important to note that this volume, it's specifically people who are trading. Right, and the age group are usually students. Usually, usually students. Usually students. University students. University students. Yeah. Yes, the vast majority. Um, now, taking this just apart in terms of um, building mm-hmm. projects based on blockchain, because again, trading cryptocurrencies, you use the blockchain technology, but you're not building things. Right, you're not you're not solving per se pro- like problems. In terms of building. That requires a whole other set of factors to do that. The first thing is to have, obviously, people exposed to the technology and what are the projects that are actually utilizing this technology. That is also a big lack because most people either don't, they're not exposed to it and um, obviously then if you're not exposed to it, you don't really know how relevant the actual tech is for some of the projects. Um, and then on the, on the subset, which is maybe the, the other side of the coin, is also the developers. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, there's a lot of what we understand as of Web2 developers. Um, and, and briefly, really what I mean by Web2 is that it's just more, if you look in history, you have Web1, which was at the end mostly known as like sort of the mid 90s where you literally had just a page on a website um, that you can read just a read only page you cannot interact with it you can't comment you can't like it's just a wikipedia if you will yeah um which is fine but that was sort of the initial introduction to what internet was yeah and then what we understand is web 2 which kind of came into the early 2000s 2003 4 5 and that's kind of that facebook i guess maybe revolution or just i guess introduction where now as consumers we can interact with the page that was crazy at the time right like now you can actually you know like something or comment or you know you can share the pages with your friends and you know you can basically now interact and converse almost with the actual content on the internet yeah now this is fine and so really what it became is that we ourselves became the product meaning the information as we interacted this is data and how they did that is what we know in terms of targeted advertisement yes using algorithms right um and you notice like what tiktok is doing what tiktok and any other any other web 2 so platform yeah. is doing right yeah. it, the only reason why you end up liking the same things is because the platform knows what you like yeah right that's just basic data that we've given to the platform now this is fine mm-hmm. insofar as questioning whether it's the most effective and fair model mm-hmm. for us to interact with and then this is where the most developers in kenya are right the you know pythons the javascripts etc and caveat i myself am not a developer i just happen to be working with very smart developers um and um and so you know as we want to expose people here in kenya um to blockchain and projects it's important to kind of meet people where they're at yeah you understand yeah um and and as meeting where they're at we will understand what they know, what they don't know, and how we can work together yeah. with them. Yes. I understand that your company is working with students and young people to help them make crypto-based apps and, uh, I think, websites to improve daily lives. 
how does crypto fuse with something like agriculture or simple uh, trading so there's there's many there's many ways um, where the blockchain technology because really I think it's it's also important to kind of make the distinction between what crypto um, does and and the technology behind yeah because we focus on the actual technology crypto let's say it's a way to use or utilize the tech right the technology in itself can do multiple different things so the technology is blockchain yes sir okay. Yes. Um, so, and and I can give you I can give you an example of um, of, of agriculture, for example. Yeah. Um, we actually have, and this is an example also that shows you how blockchain is more um, used as the tech, but as opposed to a crypto. Crypto, yeah. right? So, one of the projects that we have um, that we've built, and we also partner uh, with a few stakeholders in it, um, is called the Open Forest Protocol. Open Forest. Open forest. Open forest. Protocol. Uh-huh. Yes. So really the, the idea is really simple. Um, we've noticed that um, forest managers and even governments, when they have big plans to replant trees, right? Especially for conserva- conservation and, and preservation purposes. <clears throat> it's very um, difficult um, to have an effective, and by that I mean also cost-effective, and efficient way to monitor how trees are being planted mm-hmm. and th- also their growth, right? And especially to, ab- to be able to monitor that in, it, in order for, to access carbon finance, for example. Mm-hmm. So currently, usually what we have is that you can use um, sensors, you can use certain IoT devices, uh, or you can just What's use... IoT? Internet of Things. So this is just basically a way for different devices to be connected uh-huh. onto sort of a same database. So you can sort of like input certain information, and then another device knows that this information has been inputted. Right? You mentioned like you can also monitor how the growth of the tree when they are being planted. So yes, how sir. do you do that? Yeah. So what we basically build is a solution called MRV, which is monitoring, reporting, and validating. So very simply, what we do is that we we have an actual web app where forest agents or even your forest manager, they can go to the actual forest and then eventually you will delineate a zone Mm -hmm. in your forest. And then the application would effectively give you sample zones. It will generate sample zones. So you go to these sample zones and it'll ask you to monitor certain things within the, within the forest. Usually what it is, is the height yeah. and the diameter of the trees. Okay. And also obviously also the species of the trees and etc. Right? This information, you put this in the web app, the, applica- the platform. Mm-hmm. Once it's stored into the platform, what we have, and this is also a critical point, is that traditionally it would be either us as a company or, um, you know, usually it's, it's one place and one person that would sort of say this information is correct. Mm. Just, you know, they would just decide that, right? But the problem is, in order for us to do that, you have to trust us for this information, right? Yeah. And we don't have an effective answer to say, if you don't trust us, how can we still work together, right? You have to trust us. So we yeah. kind of thought, is there a way for us to still provide the same value and, you know, the same kind of monitoring without trusting 
right? So what we've started to do is that we've used drone images that we will basically have they're taking pictures of the of the actual delineated place. And then what we have is called validators. So validators are governments, institutions, universities that are going to and they're independent from the forest themselves. They're going to challenge or accept the information relative to images from the drones and also satellite satellite images we have one platform that just focuses on replanting trees yeah right just specifically on that yeah and obviously the validators focus on that we have another project and in fact that was we'll probably talk about our the pitch competition but we have another project uh, called smart farm and they're exactly doing that they're trying to optimize um, basically the crops and the way farmers are using their their sort of like crops and the way they're cultivating they're using a similar tool mm. to optimize the farm the farmers for basically what how it, how they're farming so that is specifically another product that also targets the that that point okay the pitch competition uh, young people presented projects that were based on crypto and uh, blockchain yes on the blockchain system and yes. you can also tell us more about uh, something i saw in your website near technology yes uh, i understand that it's a type of blockchain that's better than blockchain so yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll, I guess I'll touch first on Nia, and then we can go into the the, the, uh, the competition. The pitch competition. Yeah. Yes. Um, so so Nia is basically the blockchain that we use for our projects. Um, it's what we understand as a layer one blockchain. So what does that mean is that it's the most foundational blockchain that you can possibly have, mm-hmm. right? It's the basic kind of like, it does the basic stuff because you have other layers that do a bit more different things, maybe like decentralized finance, which perhaps we can go into later. Um, and you have, you know, NFTs and all these different kind of layers that we that blockchains do. But near obviously Nier can do that as well. But what it's really known for is for the smart contract based projects, mm-hmm. right? Similar like Ethereum, you could say. Uh, but it's just different in terms of it's more cost effective because you have what we call gas fees, which is basically the fee that you would have to pay to use the blockchain, right? Uh, certain blockchains have higher gas fees and others. Think about it as like mobile subscriptions, right? Yeah. Like you have different mobile subscriptions. They all somewhat provide the same services, but they have different fees and different features, you know, depending on your interest, right? Yes. Um, but the reason why we, we, we work with Near, it's mostly twofold, which is really significant. One is that in order to develop a project on Near, mm. it's quite user-friendly as opposed to the other blockchain. So you will get, you know, um, prototypes faster out to see and test as opposed to the other ones. The other ones, the learning curve is really, really big, right? And we we have also a test net so we can test things and play around and figure things out together in order to before to putting on the mainnet, Uh right? Um, So this is what we use and transitioning to the pitch competition, really this was an opportunity for us as Kenyans, but also just generally speaking, you know, the entrepreneur startup scene uh, that we know to see um, what are the projects that are currently on the ground building on blockchain technology, right? Um, And 
can we bring them all together, right, as much as we can, and eventually get them to come and present their projects on a five-minute pitch, um, and then give them access to funds? Uh, because this is also the second, uh, the second reason why we work with NIR is that uh, NIR has a lot of. Um, opportunities to get funded uh, to get funding which is really important because access to funds can be quite challenging um so yeah and this is what we did with this pitch competition it was an experiment mm-hmm. this i, th- I believe yeah, first one first one mm-hmm. and i believe and do correct me if i'm wrong but i do believe that this was the actual first ever pitch competition based on blockchain technology in kenya in the country yes you are giving the winner fifty thousand dollars translate that to Kenyan shillings that will be 5 million Kenyan shillings yes which right. is a lot right a lot of money ah, it's a lot of money the way we kind of structured this is that we have <clears throat> access to various grants mm-hmm. um, and so the first initial grant um, is what we call sort of the fast grant and this is, has a cap up to $50,000 yeah now obviously this is a lot of money yes. right <clears throat> But the way we work with projects is that we work step by step in terms of milestones. The projects that have been selected, they've also been very, they've been selected intentionally. Yeah. Because our current, in this specific Nairobi edition, we've worked with also a partner. Mm-hmm. So the, um, the roadmap was a three-month incubation program. Yeah. So this three-month incubation program, you can practically kind of think about it in sort of three main phases. The first phase is really what we understand as, you know, the sort of feasibility analysis slash study yeah. of the market, but also of the business model, of the, you know, the target audience, um, and also partly the sort of like the tech, which is mostly just identifying the tech components of blockchain right some projects have done part of that some are not there yet some have already completed that but most of them have not fully completed that that's the first initial step right and the second step we kind of dive into now more related to the actual business model and how the project is going to make money and you'll notice that there's a, this, is a, this is also a component that oftentimes is overlooked. And I don't know if you remember, but a few of the projects that were there um, didn't necessarily have or thought through how is this going to make money. Yeah. Like, what is the cash flow? How do you make it sustainable and scalable? Right? So this is really a, a study that we have to do. And then the third thing is purely a tech component where we're actually now going to go and test it on the test net. Yeah. Right, because it's very important for us to actually have the project work on the mainnet, on the actual blockchain. I noticed, uh, like, uh, there were like two agriculture projects. Was that intentional because you are aligned to greening the economy? Um, I don't. To be honest, I mean, it's a tricky question. You, you, you asked me a tricky question because there's two questions here. Like, yes, I am aligned to green in the economy for sure, yeah. but that's not the reason why they're too smart. Um, like, I guess, two f- agri projects. Luck. To be honest with you, and most people probably will not believe me when I say this, but it's actually a coincidence that it happens to be two agri projects. Um, but apart from that, yes, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm open to and, and interested in. in uh, in uh, greening the economy, but it was not based. Our decision was not based out of that, or our decision, because obviously we had a f- we have five we had five panelists yeah. um, come from different backgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, different interests. So it, I would say it's almost pure coincidence. Okay, okay. Um, we have countries that have accepted to use trade in crypto 
as Kenya got there yet. Currently, <sighs> what's happening? People are trading, but I'm not sure if it's like uh, illegal. Yeah, so it's not illegal. It's not illegal. It's not illegal. Yeah. Um, and this is similar to a lot of countries equally in the West is that there's currently not a very clear framework okay. of how blockchain technology but equally you know cryptocurrencies are going to be regulated mm. part of the reason for that and again this is not you know focus specific on can this is we can list a lot of countries yeah. everywhere in the world um, it's clarity mm. on how exactly is crypto going to be integrated into the society to which extent mm. and and understanding that and having a very clear vision on that is going to help you know the policymakers and regulators think of a framework that would protect um such activities because this is in our interest as well we want to have frameworks that allows us to know what are the rules yeah. right but that takes time and this is part of the education as well um so yeah Official payments are done in countries like Denmark, Canada, UK. But recently, El Salvador like shocked many countries yes. by making it a legal tender. <clears throat> Do you think that is a game changer? Um, it definitely is. I think it introduces a new way. Well, let's say it accelerates the process to how cryptocurrencies can actually be relevant to the society. Um, but I. One thing that's important to note: I have a friend that um, he's actually he's a lawyer in and and works on crypto regulations. He met the actual president of El Salvador and discussed about how what's the future for El Salvador in terms of using Bitcoin as a legal tender, but more specifically, all the different businesses and commercial activities are gonna are well legally um, obliged to accept Bitcoin. That's one thing. But now the question is. Are the people, the regular individuals, um, and for the lack of a better word, maybe educated enough on Bitcoin usage and cryptocurrency usage for that legal tender really to actualize in the society? And that is not there yet. So you have a lot of people in El Salvador, they don't really know yet how to use Bitcoin. Yet it's a legal tender in the nation. So they'll need a uh, lot of sensitization. Yes. And, uh, yes. Yes. Relearning. relearning. Yes. Also, in, back in Kenya, is, are there places where they accept crypto payments at the moment? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know whether I don't know whether it's like physical places where they accept crypto payment. Yeah. Maybe maybe you can ask the community. I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if there might be a few places but it's very very minor it's it, many people are just trading it uh, like exchanging yes money, yes yes how does one invest in crypto um usually the current the current model is that you have different exchange platforms mm-hmm. that you can use also with impesa um although i myself i don't buy or sell crypto mm-hmm. um like i mentioned we we focus on blockchain technology and projects built on blockchain tech mm-hmm. um, but most people uh believe they use exchanges uh, i know you can buy with impesa so there's people that would sell certain cryptos at a certain rate and you know you can send them obviously you got to make sure that you know who you're you know your seller is yeah. trust them um it's not in the most effect i guess effective or efficient model i mean it has been working but i know that there's a few projects that are trying to um pretty much optimize that kind of buy and sell procedure 
um, on exchanges. But yeah, most people, I believe, just use the exchanges that we have um, to buy and purchase. So. Okay, as we close the conversation, I'd like you to tell us more about this new emerging tech in crypto, uh, NFT, non-fungible token. Yes. Uh, tell me more about it. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's funny. Um, I myself was shocked on how mainstream it became in 2021. Yeah. Um, it just exploded. Um, and everywhere. Although it's funny because NFTs have been around since 2017. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not a new concept. Huh. Uh, I mean, even what we understand as non-fungible, really what it is is that it's, it's a unique... Um, entity that you can exchange with a similar one it's like a painting right you, you or even let's say your t-shirt right you wear this t-shirt i can buy the same one but it's not really the same because you wore this one already right so you yeah. can't just exchange it's not like you know shillings you can change with shillings if i have the shilling and i keep it for you know two years it's the same shilling in two years that you would want to have right although maybe that's a wrong example because obviously you have the like inflection i mean the rate and whatnot but so what the value in terms of like if i'm exchanging something mm. sometimes i've seen things sell at crazy high prices yes yes yeah i mean it's like auctions yeah it's the same thing oh nice right that's you, a simple explanation yeah it's literally like auctions like yeah. you we have a lot of printed some quality t-shirts mm-hmm. right and we use it for our events yeah. right and people wear it and it's funny how t-shirts are almost tokenized like people will devalue these t-shirts right funny enough um when so there was this uh conference this near conference in portugal last year that we went to and i had a spoke there and they had printed the very first sunquare t-shirt at the time no sunquare t-shirt was printed and it had a different color different pattern different printing um and there's only one of these t-shirts in the world mm. only one we've printed over hundreds of t-shirts but that one t-shirt there's only one in the world mm. in that that specific print the same and also it's the first one yeah right now this is a simple example to say the value of this mm. automatically is not going to be the same value as the hundred similar printed t-shirts that everybody's wearing mm. it's a different value right that you cannot exchange with the regular that's non-fungible Okay, as we come to the close of the conversation, I'd like you to tell us something that we've not touched about your company and maybe your plans of expansions and partnerships. Yeah. So when we did this event, there's a lot of people who came to us and said, hey, we want to be part of Sankore, right? Mm-hmm. We want to do something with Sankore and we want to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, Marvin, mm-hmm. at some point, I was like, I, can't, I don't have anything to give you. Like, I don't have something that you can... Fair enough, we have a Telegram chat. We're writing a few blogs. Yeah. You can follow us, but that's it. So we started thinking, how can we engage the community? Right? How can we do that? And what we build is something called Sankore Bounty Ecosystem. So basically what this is, is that we started creating different tasks that people can do for the community based on their skills and be compensated to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing about this is that these are tasks that can be anything from following, on, for example, a task can be like following on all our socials, retweeting the last tweet, and find 10 friends who do the same thing. And you can get actual paid to do that. But it can get much more complex. I know there's a lot of aspiring blog writers, mm-hmm. right? And we can incentivize them. And for example, when they come to the events, a task can be, hey, why don't you, re- why don't you write a short blog about your experience in this event and you get paid you know x amount of usd or x amount of kenya shillings um to do so 
right? And this is a way for us to start engaging with our community and start rewarding them based on their skills. Uh, so I'm really excited about this initiative because it, it's scalable. Um, and, and again, it's based on the blockchain. We're going to use something called a decentralized autonomous organization. I won't get too much in detail, but it's just really a way for us to monitor how funds will be distributed to the community, which is fully transparent. So everybody sees where the money goes. Um, but again, it's to really engage the community um, to add value to the actual community themselves. So, yeah. What about your partnerships? So we have a few partnerships um, going so obviously now with this pitch competition we work with cv labs uh, which is a really big ecosystem of um you know professional entrepreneurs and startups they also incubate um they're based in, in switzerland but they have i uh, sorry they're based in cape town and switzerland they have two sort of um, offices and um they're going to be starting this huge venture capital initiative raising i think up to 11 million dollars to focus on 100 blockchain startups in africa um so this is a really cool partnership that we have with them so we're going to sort of work together and and part of the pitch competition was for us to start of kind of like look at what is that startup scene yeah. in in kenya and where are these best projects coming from right and how can we help them grow and scale uh you're working with some university because i saw university students over there Yes. So, within Nairobi, or also you are planning to move outside it? Our plan is to scale outside of Nairobi. Yes. Uh, we've been really lucky to already have done a tour um, two, three months ago. So, we went to, we did a whole kind of events tour where we were doing like different meetups and events. Uh, we did it in Mombasa, we did it in Kisumu, we did it in Nakuru, um, and obviously here in Nairobi. Mm-hmm. And that was actually the first time where blockchain events went outside of Nairobi. So when we went, for example, to Kisumu, they've never, ever seen or heard of a blockchain event in town, Mm. which was really exciting, right? Because of this, obviously, my same university and all these big universities there, a lot, a lot of students. And and they were so curious and so open and and they had already ideas that they were running with and playing around. So it was another opportunity for us to kind of expose them about the technology and and what can be done. A quick mention of your social medias, where you can be found if people want to join your company or attend yes. these events where yes. can they find the notices yes uh, the best way to find us is on Twitter so so far uh, if you just go to sankure2 underscore zero um, so you check us our activities what we do and I would also say that I'm always happy for collaborations and partnerships and even you know um, feedback right like we're learning and yeah. a lot of what we do is trial and error experiments so you can definitely comment on on our on our twitter on our, on our twitters but also you can contact me on telegram uh, my telegram um, username is um at m-a-z-i mazi mm-hmm. uh, well, uh underscore 101 thank you very much for this <laughs>